0: Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. Man, great to be in church. Uh, one of the things that happens when I'm away from church uh, on a, for, for more than two weeks at a time, it doesn't happen very often. It's only happened a handful of times in the last five years. But uh, when I am, it's funny. The Lord doesn't draw me back to the church, He draws me back to the people. Uh, that's what it's about the church isn't a building or an institution the church is a is a body it's a it's a bride that that jesus came to save and so it's always good to be back with uh, the people of renew life church not just Renew life church so it's good good to be back Um, if you got your bibles you can turn to luke chapter 5 we'll end up getting there at some point Uh, i want to i'm going to start a series i don't know how long it'll last i'm going to be in the platform i think for like the next four weeks i'm here uh, so I'll be in here for a while, but I'm gonna, I don't know if the series will last all four weeks, but I'm going to start a series today with a working title uh, of The High Calling of Discipleship. The high calling uh, of discipleship. I've always had kind of a propensity to look at what are the main things in Scripture. It's like, what's the main thing? You know, there's a lot in there, but what's the what's the main thing? I, I think there's so much to be said for getting things right in the foundation of a thing, and uh, I, I love talking about the Great Commandment or the Great Commission, which is what we're going to talk about. Uh, today, Matthew six thirty three says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. It's those foundational things that I just am drawn to. In fact, if you were to go in my office right now on my dry erase board in my office where I sometimes take notes to things just to meditate on, it just says on the top of it, the big stuff. What's the big stuff? And all these different things that the Lord's talking to me about as far as the main things go. And, and that's what I want to do today. You know, there's two greats In the Bible, there's the Great Commandment and there's the Great Commission. How many of you guys have heard of the Great Commandment and the the Great Commission? The Great Commandment says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. You find the Great Commandment mentioned in three of the four Gospels uh, in the New Testament, and uh, it's, it's clear that that's something that's very, very important to God. But also, there's the great commission, the great co-mission. It's two people on a mission, you and God. God working with you, you working with God. It's a co- uh, co-mission. And we, we, it's funny because when the Lord began to talk to me about this in my head, I, I, I said in my head the, the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Raise your hand if you would agree. That's the great commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel uh, to every creature. Uh, I asked Leanne, I said the the same question. I said, hey, what is the Great Commission? She's like, you know, come on. I was like, no, what what do you know it to be? Said the same thing, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And if you read that, and that's actually Mark's translation, you find the Great Commission mentioned in actually all four of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, all four quote the Great Commission. In fact, it's interesting that of those four, only two of them heard it firsthand. John was there when Jesus said it, and Matthew was there when Jesus said it. Mark, however, was a disciple of, of Peter, so he had to get this at least secondhand, because he wasn't there when, he, uh, when, he, w- when Jesus said it. So more than likely, this is something Peter told uh, Mark at some point. And then Luke was a disciple of Paul, and Paul wasn't even a disciple. So we ha- there were several layers there between uh, Luke's version of the Great Commission, if you will, Uh, but, but Matthew and John heard it firsthand, Matthew and John heard it, heard it firsthand. And I want to read their, the, the versions. We'll start with Mark chapter six, uh, 16, excuse me, Uh, Mark's version, the one we just talked about, because here's, here's the point I want to make. It is accurate. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is accurate. However, it is incomplete. There's a reason that it's listed. It's, it's talked about four different times in scripture because there's a depth to the Great Commission that I want to focus on today. Uh, Mark 16, 15, we just quoted it, and he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel, preach the gospel to the whole creation, to every creature. So there's Mark's version of the Great Commission. Uh, in John chapter 20, verse 21, it says this. Now, again, this is John. He was there. He's, this is firsthand knowledge. It says, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. I think it's interesting, and this is to, to make sure you don't misunderstand me. As we read through these, uh, I, I'm going to make some statements so that it could get you confused as to I'm, I'm saying one version of somebody's great commission is better than someone else's. I find it fascinating. I can preach a message and talk to 10 different people, and all 10 different people get something out of the message. It's amazing how the Word of God has the ability to do that to speak directly to one thing. And I think there's depth here. And I want us to get a little something from all of these. Obviously, Mark, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. That one we know of. But I love John's version here. So John hears Jesus preach the same thing. And he gets a little bit different slant on. He says, just as the Father has sent me, Jesus speaking, I send you. Now, what's interesting is the most basic definition of the word apostle is sent one. So I find it interesting that John focuses in on that apostolic assignment. Jesus was the first apostle sent by God, but he says, just as I have been sent, so too have you been sent. It speaks to the apostolic mission on believers, the heaven to earth commissioning, if you will, bringing heaven uh, to earth from believers. He says, so I, just as the father sent me, so I'm sending you. Luke said it this way in verse 24 or chapter 24, verse 46, and he said to them, "Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem." So, what you've got here when you listen to Mark and John and Luke. It's all in the same vein, if you will. There's a going or ascending, if you will. There's a preaching, the gospel, uh, the repentance of sins. It's to everyone. It's not just to the Jews, it's to everyone, to all creation. So in, in this and in these first three, or in these, these three versions of this great commission, there's a similarity between the tree, the three, wouldn't you agree? What's interesting, though, is that Matthew, who was there, who's also the first book. In the New Testament, I just think that's interesting it's the, it's the first time the Great Commission is is read it's the first or, or, or written it's the first time the Great Commission is talked about and, and I just think it, it it bears saying this was the first version yet it's the one that's the least quoted. I find that interesting. So what did Matthew say why was, what was so different Now again, I'm not saying that the other three versions are lesser than. What I'm saying is we have to see all of it to put the whole picture together. We don't just want part of the story. What was it, Paul Harvey? And now the rest of the story. Uh, thought that was funnier than you did. Matthew chapter 28, moving right along. Verse 16, It says, now to the 11 disciples. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore, okay, so we're off to the same start with all the others. We're going somewhere. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Well, that's a little different now. We're talking about something else here, it seems like. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Now I read this and go, okay, there's a little more meat on this bone than the other three. There's a little more responsibility in Matthew's version, the first version, than there is the other three. All of the other versions seem to let us off the hook by simply telling people about Jesus. Go into all the world and tell people about Jesus. Go into all the world, you're sent. Go into all the world and. And and tell them about Jesus. But Matthew seems to take it a step further. And he says, don't just tell them about Jesus. Tell them about him in such a way that it entices them to follow him. And don't just tell them in such a way that it entices them to follow him. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then teach them everything that I've taught you. There's more to the story. There's more to this great commission than simply sharing the message of Jesus. And if there's more to this great commission than us just preaching Jesus or introducing people to Jesus, it, one, it speaks to our assignment, but two, it speaks to our own lives. In other words, Jesus isn't just okay with you knowing Jesus. God's not just okay with you knowing him or having heard the message, or even having responded to the message. And like we do at the end of every service, you close your eyes and you bow your head, and if you don't know Jesus, I'm gonna preach the gospel, respond to the gospel, raise your hand declaring that you need a savior, and then you know you're going to heaven. That's important. How many of you guys would agree? Going to heaven might be important. That's probably a good thing. But by adding this, make disciples, baptize them, teach them, it's saying that he's not just okay with us knowing him. He doesn't just want us to be Christians. You see, Christians go to heaven. Disciples bring heaven to other people. So there's something in this this co-mission, this mission we have working alongside God where it's not good enough to stop with telling them what Jesus did for them. It's inviting them into a lifestyle of following him, in every area of your life, for the rest of your life. I think it's important that if, if, if this is our assignment, not just to do, it first must be our assignment on how to live. We can't be okay anymore just saying, hey, I've prayed the prayer, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven. In fact, it is my 100% belief that most frustration in the life of Christians is found right in this area where they're a Christian, but they may or may not be a disciple. And we have to ask ourselves the question, which one are we? Are we Christians or are we disciples? Do we believe in God or do we follow him? Those two things are completely different. And this Matthew's version of this great commission is an invitation to every single one of us to say, please don't stop in just believing in me. Follow me in every area of your life. Amen? Amen. You're getting quiet in here. We have to entertain these things, and I wanna go to Luke chapter five, and and in Luke chapter five, what you find is this is the first time Jesus uh, invites someone into this life of discipleship. Jesus has started his ministry, uh, and he's recruiting disciples. So in this, we see Jesus making disciples, and we see how disciples should respond in order to become disciples. And so as we read through this, I think it's imperative that we we, we look at two things. One, what did Jesus do? If we're called to make disciples, and this is how Jesus made a disciple, then how do we follow Jesus' pattern for making disciples? But also, Peter was the first disciple. So how did the first disciple respond to the one that was trying to make him a disciple? So there's Jesus, what did Jesus do, and what did Peter do? And today we're going to focus on what what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? How did he make a disciple? Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1, says this, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. At this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. And a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others with him. And his partners, James and John and the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Jesus. Simon is used uh, multiple times in this, only once does it say Simon Peter, but this is, this is the, the, the disciple, the apostle Peter that we're talking about here. He was the first basically apostle or disciple, if you will, uh, recruited by Jesus. And I, and I want to look at some things that Jesus did here, and I think it'll speak to us uh, today. One of the first things I see is that uh, Jesus moved towards people before he required people to move towards him. Jesus went to people before he asked people to come to him. Jesus didn't just set up camp and say, hey, you're all invited. The Great Commission doesn't say, invite the world to come join you at your fantastic church service. No, it says go into the world. Jesus went you don't see very many scriptures where jesus was chilling you don't see stories of jesus setting up a camp meeting and everybody coming to the camp meeting no what you see is jesus constantly moving even at times trying to get away from the big meetings at times when people said jesus you oh you got a message bro we could build a church around this you need to stay right here. If you'll stay right here, I got a Parsonage for you. Ooh, I got a sweet donkey for you to ride. <laughs> they were constantly trying to get Jesus to stay. And Jesus says, no, the gospel isn't the great, the great invitation to come attend a meeting. The gospel begins with the meeting going to the people. Jesus went to them Je- and notice this it says and jesus this is before peter's a disciple he hasn't even signed up for this yet He hasn't said yes to this yet And jesus just walking along the the shore there and he sees two empty boats And he just gets in one of them and tells peter the owner of the boat. Hey, you mind pushing me out a little bit You know, it's baller when you just go get in somebody else's car <laughs> That's baller status just get in say hey, can you take me to work? Yes, sir, uh-huh <laughs> He just goes and he, he gets in Peter's boat. But what I love about this is he wasn't waiting for Peter to come into his world. He went into Peter's world. And I think that's one of the areas that as the, as the church, the American church, I'll say, is we've been too busy inviting people to church as if the answer was inviting them to church and them attending church. We haven't been nearly as busy bringing church to people. We want the, Notice this. We want them to go first. You need to come to church. You need to start. You need, you need to come to church. And, and can I, please hear my heart. I'm a pastor of a church, so I'm not against you inviting people to church. Kind of like what we're doing here. I think we got a good thing going. But can I just say this? The Great Commission isn't the great inviting of people. It's the great going into people. Instead of inviting people to church, and thinking that's the first step and saying, okay, I know you don't even believe in God yet, but I'm gonna ask you to take a step of faith. Why don't you take a step of faith and introduce them to, it, them to him while you're still at your workplace? Right. Why don't you go get in their boat? Why don't you go sit down in your cubicle? Is that why are you sitting in my cubicle? Because <laughs> my pastor told me to get in your boat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want you to get out of my boat. <laughs> You're freaking me out? <laughs> what if instead of asking people to come to our church, we took church to the we took our church, we took our Jesus, we took what we had, and we took it into the workplace or into our families or into the oil field or into politics or into education. The great harvest of souls is not gonna be is not gonna come because everyone's gonna fill the church. I believe that the great harvest of souls is because what's happening in the church is going to finally go to the people. I heard a, a phenomenal message the other day. It's, I, I, me and Leanne have had it on repeat for, I don't even know how long now. Uh, it's a, a pastor by the name of Nate Edwardson. He's the senior pastor of a church in Redding, California, that, not named Bethel. It's the Stirring Church. Uh, and it's crazy because uh, I, I, he was guest speaker at a friend's church, and uh, I I listened to the podcast and it absolutely rocked me to the core and uh, it was interesting because I texted that buddy of mine, I was like, oh my gosh, who is this Nate Edwardson guy? And he's like, oh, he's a friend of mine. He's from Reading. You're going to love him. Uh, we actually get to spend some time with him uh, in a couple of weeks in San Francisco at a gathering of some pastors in San Francisco. And so I'll be there with him. But I'd never met the guy. And I just texted Banning. I said, oh, my gosh, this guy's message is blowing my mind right now. I told him, I said, I think he already knows what I'm trying to learn. <laughs> and you guys, it's, it's just pos- It may not say much about your pastor. Like, do you not know what you're doing up there? Well, no, not usually. But I'm listening to people that do. <laughs> And and in in this message, one of the things, one of the comments that he made, one of the one-liners that just shook me, he said, we don't need to be, we don't need to be praying for God, uh, another revival in the church. We don't need another move of God in the church. We need a move of God. We, We need a move of God's people from the church what's the point we don't need to be having more anointed gatherings and more spirit-filled gatherings and more amazing gatherings full of the presence of God we need all of those things that are getting in the people in the church to start going out to people outside the church that's what Jesus did he took what was in him and took it to people he didn't wait for them to come to him it speaks of the nature of God the Bible says while we were still sinners Christ died for us what is he saying Before we did anything for him, he was doing something for us. We have to do the same thing for the people around us in our workplace, in our families, wherever it is that we have influence, and go go first. Don't ask them to go first. Us go first, and love on them first before they ever believe in the God we believe in. I love that about Jesus. He was willing to get into Simon's world, Simon Peter's world. He went into into his boat. A friend of mine told me a story the other day I, I, do, I do a little bit of fishing, and I have a guy that I typically fish with, and uh, he's friends with a, a guy who's a professional bass fisherman. He's of the highest, uh, the highest league, if you will, uh, of bass fishermen. And so we've, I've met the guy, fished with him, and, and now have become friends with this guy. I've actually started kind of mentoring him uh, from afar, this professional bass fisherman. And here, But here's how it started. It started with this friend of mine who was – he asked him to – this professional fisherman asked my friend to go with him to pre-fish for this tournament – down near Houston. So he went with him and said, This, you know, hours of road time together, and they didn't really know each other all that well. So it was kind of an interesting thing. And so uh, this friend of mine, he said, Hey, so like, what do you usually like listen to while you're driving down the road? And he said, Well, I, I don't know. It's kind of an odd question. Why don't you mind your own business? No, I don't know if he said that or not. Uh, <laughs> but he, he just kind of looked at him like, I, I don't know, like country music or whatever. And he said, this, buddy of mine, this buddy of mine told me, He said, Well, Sometimes I like listen to like worship music and uh, and, uh, and even sometimes my preachers, uh, PB. They call me PB. He knew me as PB. PB got a podcast and you can listen to PB's messages. So I turned on some worship music and they listened to the worship music for a little bit. And the guy's like, well, I, "I ain't mad about that. That's, that's I I could listen to that." And he goes, "You want to listen to one of PB's messages?" And he says, "Yeah, sure. I guess you can turn it on." So he turns it on. Turns on the podcast. And uh, after about 10 or 15 minutes, this buddy of mine was telling me how he's kind of starting to get like a little antsy, like, okay, first time, maybe not should listen to a whole message, maybe a few minutes. And he reached over and he turned it off. He goes, well, that's, that's, that you kind of get the the idea. He goes, no, 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 turn that back on. So he he finished listening to the whole message and he goes, you got any more of them little, them little podcasts there on that, on that phone of yours? For some reason I make him sound like a big redneck. It's like, (laughs) he's actually not. <laughs> it just goes good with the story. You know? <laughs> so they turned on another one. And he listened to another one. And, uh, he actually sent me a text the other day where he, the guy was on another trip on the way to a big tournament in, uh, I think the, this, this month is in Oklahoma somewhere, but, um, he texted him and he said, Hey, you listen to your po- listen, listen to any podcasts?" He said, I've already listened to all the ones on the website. Does he have any more? You know what I love is he didn't, when the first time he got in the boat, in, in, the, in the truck with him on their little trip, he didn't say, hey, you know what? You need to start going to church. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer, and I, you need to start going to church. No, he took church to him. He didn't say, I need you to go first. He had the courage to say, I'll go first. It's funny, we're talking about a bass fisherman, but he went and got in his boat. Funny how that worked out, ain't it? Maybe we should start just having the courage to invite people into, into this Jesus that we know. Instead of inviting them to church and asking them to take the big step, what if we took the big step first and we did the thing that maybe made us feel a little bit uncomfortable first? What if, what if we went first? What if we followed Jesus' model of discipleship and said, I'm not going to wait for you to come to me. I'm going to go to you. Next thing I noticed, and it seems like a no-brainer, but it says that after he got into the boat, he pushed it, launched out a little bit, and then Jesus began to teach. Let me just say this. Jesus preached the word of God. Now, that seems like a simple statement, but if you think about it, that's pretty fascinating because don't you think Jesus probably had some pretty good things to say of his own? I mean, it's Jesus. I would think he'd be a pretty decent preacher. I'd think he'd have some things to say, but I love what Jesus said in John 12, verse 49 says, for I do not speak on my own, but the father who sent me commanded me to say all that I've spoken. Also known as I ain't saying anything unless God says it first. When Jesus got out on that boat and he began to preach to the crowd, he wasn't preaching his words. He was preaching his father's words. He didn't give them his opinion. He only repeated what he had already heard the Father say. The Bible says that his words are life to those that hear it. And I think it's very important that we embrace this idea that people don't need our opinions or our words, they need his words. And that's not to belittle you or say that your opinion doesn't matter. But I think sometimes we give them our version of the Bible or our version of what God's saying because in some way, shape, or form, we're apologizing for the Scriptures. Can I just say this? We don't need to apologize for His words. And we don't have to defend His words. Sometimes you might be surprised what happens if you just spoke His words in love like the Scripture says. But if you spoke His words, uncomfortable as it may make people feel at times, and let His word do the work. I, I watch at times when I can be, uh, this will shock some of you, I can be very uh, confrontational at times. Don't laugh. And I laugh sometimes at watching people when I'm in an environment and I say something really hard or really kind of confrontational. Sometimes the people around me kind of start to say, well, okay. you can feel them kind of squirming like, ah, yeah, well, kind of what he's saying is... Can I just say this? We don't need to re-say what Jesus has already said. We just need to repeat what Jesus has already said. Jesus himself said, I'm not going to give you what I think. I'm going to give you what he said. Because if I give you what he said, it might just work. And I want you to see the response So Jesus gets in this boat. He pushes the boat out and he preaches a message. And Peter, for the first time, gets to hear the Son of God speak of his Father and speak the words that he was sent to speak. He hears the purest form of the gospel, the heart of the Father spoken through the filter of grace himself. Peter hears the gospel for the first time. And notice what the only appropriate response was from Peter. The first word out of his mouth after he had heard the real gospel was master. Before, he's just some joker that jumped in my truck. He's somebody just jumped in my boat like he owned it and said, Hey, you mind pushing me out a little bit so I can do a little preaching? But after he had heard the word, the next word out of his mouth was Master. And he says, Master, we've been fishing all night and we hadn't, we hadn't caught anything. But after what I just heard, if you say it, I'll do it. What if we just let the word work? What if we realize that it's this word that has the power anyway? What if we realize when we take his words and put them in our mouth, we might actually get people responding the same way Peter did Master, I'll do whatever that guy right there tells me to do. Jesus was unapologetic. Third thing here, and and we'll close with this. I love that Jesus wasn't afraid of asking people to do something that might make them feel uncomfortable. And it kind of goes back to what we're saying. Can I just say sometimes when you, (laughs) I think about this when I do marriage counseling. It's, 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 this is kind of a fun part because in marriage, if I do, you know, when I, I occasionally do weddings for family and, unique situations, but typically I don't do, I, I don't do weddings. But when I do a wedding, no matter what, you have to go through marriage counseling. And, uh, it's, it's interesting because I've even dealt with this myself because I'll counsel people that I know are living together or I know are sleeping together. You're like, well, how do you know you're sleeping together? You know. You know, <laughs> and it's it, and it's funny because there was times where I was like, "Well, I don't want to make them feel too uncomfortable. I don't want to talk." So, in the, when the when the marriage counseling portion, or the in, in this marriage counseling, when the portion of uh, sex before marriage comes shows up, I, I, I always love watching their face. And I, I, there was one particular couple that I remember. This is years ago now, but I knew this couple was was sleeping together and. Uh, I said, okay, today we're going to talk about uh, sex. And, oh, my God, the look on their faces was so fun. <laughs> and I just, I just remember saying, and I, and I had, had kind of worked through this, because I, I thought to myself, and I kind of had this banter in my head. I was like, okay, Lord, let's just leave that alone. <laughs> they're already sleeping together. They've already slept together. I know it. You know it. What, what is the point of me addressing something that they're already doing and that they've already done? And he and he spoke to me. He says, "Why are you apologizing for my word?" And I was like, "Point taken." <laughs> and so I remember sitting there, and I said, "Let me just let me just say a little something. Ain't none of us in here going to pretend that y'all ain't already sleeping together." And they just froze. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "But I'm just going to say this: I believe in the God that restores, and I believe that you not sleeping with someone before you're married." it's not about you being evil. It's about you not having enough faith that what he says is the best way to do it actually is. You have more faith in your feelings of wanting to sleep with someone than you do faith in what the Bible says you should be doing with someone. Any amens? Some parents better be saying amen loud in front of your teenagers right now. It's still in there. And I said, let me just say this. We ain't gonna act like y'all ain't sleeping together. But I believe in the God that restores And I believe that you can make a decision today from the time we end this meeting to the time we do your wedding. No more shenanigans. (laughs) And I said, I'm asking you to do this in honor of him who brought you together. And if you want this to be a marriage, first of all, he invented marriage. He knows a little bit about it. If you want this union to be his union, then you start today submitting to his way of doing things. Yes, sir, yes, sir, yeah, yes, sir. We'll we're, we're do that. But G- Jesus goes to Peter. He says, hey, thanks for letting me use your boat. Now I need you to launch out in the deep. We're going to go fishing. He asked Peter to do something crazy. He asked Peter to, in front of all of his buddies, who all knew this ain't the time to fish, not to mention there ain't no fish here right now anyway, we just finished cleaning our nets. He asked this guy to do something that doesn't make any sense so that Peter would have to explain to his crew, hey, uh, I know we just finished cleaning the nets and all, but we're going to go uh, fishing again. What? what? Why, are we, why are we going again? We just went. You don't fish in the day. We just went. We didn't catch anything. Yeah, <sighs> apparently we were, were fishing on the wrong side of the boat." <laughs> Again, all of this is before Jesus or before Peter has said, I'm going to follow you. Can I say this? I think I may have a a little hunch as to why. Because Jesus wasn't looking for a Christian. He was looking for a disciple. He wasn't just looking for someone to say yes to who he was. He was looking for someone who would tell other people who he was for the rest of their life. He wanted more. Than just to know this person. He wanted that person to know him and go on a co mission with him as a disciple. Jesus is not afraid to ask people to do things that are uncomfortable. We have a, there's a life group here at our church. The leader of this life group is Dean Smith. Dean, you're here, aren't you? There he is. Stand up, Dean. Tell, show everybody your beautiful bald head, Dean. <laughs> Say hi to Dean. <laughs> Dean, uh, Dean's usually doing one of two things, smiling or crying. It's never in between. It's one, it's one of the two. Uh, I love watching Dean just encounter the love of God. And Dean would tell you himself, he's been on a journey the a journey, uh, last little bit, just getting wrecked by the love of God. And uh, but G- Dean leads this life group. And uh, I was having dinner with a couple the other day that had gone to Dean's life group. And they were telling me what they were doing at Dean's life group. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I had no idea what they were doing at Dean's life group. And uh, they told me the story how after the first few meetings together, or first few meetings, Dean finally said, okay, now what we're going to do is we're going to come to the house, we're going to pray, we're going to ask the Lord to give us prophetic words about people, then we're going to get in groups of threes, we're going to go out in the city and we're going to find those people and go pray for them. And, he, and this couple that was telling me the story, they said, boy, i tell you what, people started finding reasons. I can't come to Life Group this week. You know, I got some <laughs> things going down and uh and the one in particular he was telling me he's like i'm just gonna be honest with you i was slightly terrified and he said the very first time we go out i have to go out with dean and he's like so it's me dean and one other person and he said we go out and i forget whether it was at academy or in the mall he we, we talked about a couple different stories but it was either at tell me you, you, is at the mall yeah it was scott scott was <laughs> scott was the one i'm talking about everybody say hi to scott ah, just called you out. Ah. <laughs> so Scott's telling me this, he's telling me this story. He's like, he's like, I'm just telling you, I did not want to do this. Not one bit of me wanted to do this. He said, so we're, we're in the mall. And he said, I'm not getting anything really, to be honest with you. And all of a sudden, Dean goes, that guy, that guy right there, go pray for him. <laughs> he said he turned to Dean. Greg, uh, me if I'm wrong. We said, turn to Dean. He's like, so, so is this the way this is going to be now? Is this, is this what we're doing now? It's, and Dean said, yeah, get over there. Go pray for him. I just love that about Dean. Dean is not afraid of making somebody feel uncomfortable. Why? And I've had, I know, I've had conversations with Dean. Dean's doing unbelievable things for our church. Dean's not looking for just Christians. Dean wants disciples. He wants disciples. He wants to make disciples. Dean knows Jesus. <laughs> Jesus has encountered Dean in such a crazy, radical way that just being a Christian will not work anymore. And he's crying right now. I had another guy tell me this it just it's the Lord's just breathing on a word in this house. He, the Lord told, said this or this guy told me this and it felt like the Lord was sharing. Him. He said, "I want I want the people that are willing to cut a hole in the roof and lower a friend down to get healed. Let them start coming to our church." You know, I, I the Lord told me years ago when we started this church to back up the starting line. And I believe when you preach Jesus and the grace of God and the message of the finished work of the cross, you make everyone fit, you make everyone belong. And that's the kind of church I wanna be, but not at the expense of just being Christians. We're not here to be a church full of Christians. Jesus didn't die on a cross for Christians. He died on a cross to make disciples. He's asking you as a disciple to go on a co-mission with him. He might ask you to do some things that don't make sense. He might ask you to do some things that make you feel uncomfortable. Would you say yes anyway? We you say yes anyway? And it's easy to sit here in an environment like this, oh yeah, the answer answer's yes, So you go to Dean's life group. <laughs> <laughs> Dean makes you go pray for somebody you don't wanna go pray for. I'm asking you to join us on a journey. We as a church no longer need to be a church full of Christians. Let's be a church full of disciples on a mission to bring heaven to the people around us, amen. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at renewlifechurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.